Hi, this is Patty Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. If you know me, you know how obsessed I am with live performance. To me, nothing replaces being in a theater and the lights going down and the orchestra starts to play and that first moment of magic. And I know the way I feel about theater, some people feel about sports or opera or dance or comedy or food. And what if there was a place that you could go and find out which live events are going on near you that night, and then for a discount price, you can get off your couch, put down that clicker, and experience the magic that is live performance. Well, there is a place, goldstar.com. You just go to that website, you type in your city, and every amazing live event will be listed at discount prices. Theater, dance, comedy, film, food, concerts, sports. No more staying home. You are going to go out and build memories and experiences that expand your mind and heart through live performance with goldstar.com. Goldstar is in 26 cities around the country with over 8 million members already signed up to find out what event is going on near you. So go to goldstar.com. Get out of your house and build memories that are magic for you and your family. Expand your mind, expand your hearts. Go see live performance by using goldstar.com. Tell them Alana sent you. You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord. And others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template... With Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. fact about my guest today. When he got to New York City, he had heard of the famous acting company called the Actor Studio and desperately wanted to be a part of it. And he knocked on their door one day and was given the great honor of cleaning their bathrooms. Well, over the years, he went from janitorial work to starring in their plays. And now, well, gosh, he's an Emmy-nominated actor. Welcome, Michael Kelly, to the podcast. A-okay. A-okay. Because it's Friday, you guys, at four something on a hot summer day, and I am blessed to have Michael Kelly, who is best known for his Emmy nominated role as Doug Stamper in the critically acclaimed Netflix series House of Cards. He's also 
maybe you're still filming it or done, but season two of the Amazon Prime series, Jack Ryan. Yeah, finish that. Finish yep. that. Yep. Great. Um, some of his one zillion film credits include All Square, for which he's winning all sorts of awards, uh, The Secret in Their Eyes, Now You See Me, Man of Steel, Chronicle, The Adjustment Bureau, Fair Game, Law Abiding Citizen, Did You Hear About the Morgans, Defender, Invincible, Dawn of the Dead, Broken English Loggerheads, Unbreakable Man on the Moon, oh, Unbreakable, Man on the Moon, and River Red. Um, and some of his zillion television credits include Generation Kill, The Good Wife, Person of Interest, The Sopranos, and Kojak. And another little known fact that is incredibly compelling is that he's a member of the Actors Studio, which um, is such a famous, famous place where so many incredible actors for generations now have studied and taught and worked together. Um, You've been in plays like Major Crimes with Arthur Penn and Miss Julie and In Search of Strindberg, staged in Sweden. Yes. I've never said that before <laughs> on this show. Um, so what a thrill to have you here and get to sit down with you. So thank you. Thank you very much for having me. That's It's so uh, crazy to hear that because you, you forget about so much of what you've done and when people recognize you for, you know, Mostly one character now, yeah. uh, and freak out about that. You forget about the body of work that you that you have behind you, and it's you know that I, I feel like the Doug Stamper doesn't come without all that other stuff having That's laid right. the groundwork. You know. That's right. Um, Dan Fogler. Do you know Dan Fogler? Yes, I he's he's a hilarious, brilliant Tony Award winning actor, and yes, I was, I know you yes, know Dan, yes, and and yes. lives in Brooklyn, and he was here, and I was reading his stuff, and he was like, wait. I don't even remember that. Like, <laughs> it's like, wait, what was that one? And, you know, I realized I'd gone back to, like, his first backstage scene study <laughs> class. Maybe I dug a little too deep. But I think that one of the most um, compelling moments for me as a host is watching my guests listen to their resumes and, and uh, those who respond with humility um, – I know immediately I'm going to have a great time with them. <laughs> Those are my people. Uh, but it is heady, and you did do all that, and that's like yeah. a very small amount of the things that you've done. It's crazy. I mean, you've, I mean 20, you know, more than 20 years. Five now, years. Years. <laughs> I did all oh that in God. five years. Oh, my God. You are, yeah, you are amazing. So 20 years, it's just, you know, a long time that I've been here. And it was a long time before I really, you know, was even able to stop doing the other odd jobs that yeah. I held for so long. Yeah. Well, when, let's talk about that. So did you grow up in a family that was connected to the arts or no, was this your doing? All. No, completely mine on a total fluke. I was, uh, I was a cross country runner in high school and I had scholarships to a few small schools. Where was, um, where was home? I grew up in, uh, just outside of Atlanta in Lawrenceville, Georgia. Um, and you know, there were a few regional schools, North Carolina, Florida, South Carolina, and Coastal Carolina was one of them. I ended up going there uh, right outside of Myrtle Beach. and As a runner? As a runner on a scholarship. It was one of the few that I had, and I needed a scholarship. My parents didn't have it, and I didn't have it. I still yeah. had to take out student loans. Um, uh, have you paid them off? Yeah, very, Thank very quickly. Thank you, Doug Stamper. Yes. I, Among other things. Yeah. No, I did it. I did it really early. I was working waiting tables and I would work doubles Friday, Saturday, Sunday so I could audition during the week. 
um, in the beginning there weren't any auditions, but this was my great plan. Yes, yes. <laughs> and uh, and I just worked really hard. I always had worked from the time I was fourteen years old. Uh, it was just so wait, you were running, engine. running, and uh, failed at business, failed at uh, different aspects of business management. I just didn't. It in didn't college, work for me things in college. you studied, yeah, mm-hmm. and then. Uh, fell into political science and I loved it and I got into my third year and I went to, to my advisor with a big full list of classes to take wanting to get the hard stuff over with and he's like buddy you will fail if you yes. try to pull this off I'm exhausted you need reading to like these this, choices you know? yeah so I said okay any suggestions and he was like yeah I mean if you want to be an attorney you should take this acting class it would be good for you to be able to get up in front of people and I said Were okay you um were you shy by nature no, or not necessarily? Not at all. No, yeah. very, uh, always very outgoing. High school, always, always. I was the oldest of four, so there was no. There you had lots of people to boss around. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I got in this class and very early on made to do a scene and pick a partner. And she asked who wanted to go first, and I was like, I'll go. And, and, uh, and she said, Can I see you after class? And I the was teacher. Like, sure. Yeah. And I was like, Sure, yeah. And she said, how long have you been acting? I was like, I've, I've never done this before. And she's like, well, you, you have something. and You should really um, consider this as something to do. And I was like, oh, all right. You know, it wasn't, you know, and I'm running 10 miles a day and I'm trying to do all these yeah. side classes. And But I ended up taking more classes the next semester, making it my minor. And then I went, stayed a fifth year to try and pull off a double major and ended up like two classes shy on poli-sci. Because I knew at that point, I was just like, this is what I want to do. This is, it was a, you know, I always encourage young kids to go to college because I think a lot of people find themselves, they find out who they are, what they are, all different ways, you know. You learn about yourself in college. You're exposed to more things, more people from all over the sure. world sometimes. Um, so for me, it was finding my passion in life. And uh, and I'm so grateful to those professors in that school. And I was the first person to graduate from Coastal Carolina with a performing arts degree. They wow. finished the program for me. They're like, the let's get year. this together for <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Kelly. Now so, they have a thriving right. uh, musical theater, which is not what I do. But. No. But did you, do you sing? <laughs> not at all? I played in a couple bands, and I sang, talk, sing. Right. Kind of more Johnny Cashy than than actually. Well, and Johnny like, Cash is a great singer. I don't yeah, 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 yeah. But, but like I talked words as opposed to, or well, scream them. Now, in the, in the world of the modern Broadway musical, there's so many versions of, of how we think of a musical. Yeah. Um, so let's not count this out, Michael Kelly, <laughs> is all I'm saying. Plus, you get to like live at home. Um, Mondays are off. It's true. Uh, and as a runner, I feel like you'd have the stamina for the eight yeah, show a week. I still, I still do. I still run. I still, you know, very physically active. Yeah. So all of a sudden, like, you have this whole new trajectory that was unplanned, mm-hmm. um, like most good things in yeah. life. So now you're Coastal Carolina. Is right. that the name of yep. the school? Mm-hmm. Um, so now what? Like now, five years later, you get I, the degree. I, I finished, and uh, I toured with a little children's theater for a brief stint. And That uh, you connected with near the school? or it, was, it was, The professor said, I can get you a job right out of school. And it was this children's theater based in at Columbia College, which was nearby. And basically, it was just four people in a band with props, with costumes, with everything, and you <laughs> just go perform to little kids. And, and did you write the shows? Or no, was, thank God. The texts were not that. original. They <laughs> were was, classic texts. Know, there was a prince, there was a rock, there was a bad mm-hmm. monster, and there was a princess, that kind of thing. And was it fun? 
it was fun. Uh, they asked me to stay on another semester, though, and um, at the same time, I had a friend who was going through a rough time back in Atlanta, and I knew I didn't want to do that anymore with the, with the, with that group. I knew I wanted to continue to act, but I went back to Atlanta and I, I helped him and worked with him for a little like three months. And uh, and one of my friends had moved to New York, and he was like, you know, I had this comp. So I'll go back one yeah. second. So I, my mom. One day says to me, she was like, so Mary's cousin's friend is friends with this producer in Los Angeles and he's agreed to take a phone call with you. And so I called this guy up and I said, um, you know, the whole thing was to get advice from him. So I call him up and he's like, yeah, kid. And I said, listen, I, I said, Michael Kelly. And he's like, yeah, no, I'm expecting your call. He said, what can I do for you? And I said, well, I'm, I'm just calling you for some advice. You know, I'm an actor and this is what I want to do and I'm passionate about it and he said, where do you live? And I said, I'm in Atlanta. And he was like, well, move to New York or L.A. And I was like, okay, and I'm writing it down. Yeah, you know? New York or L.A. <laughs> and he's, yeah. like, he's like, that's it, kid. You want to be an actor, you got to move to one of those cities. And so I called my friend Mark, who was living in Hoboken at the time. Almost New York. And almost New York, close enough. And uh, he said, dude, if you move up, we'll get an apartment together in the city. And then my other roommate, Jim, helped me move my stuff up. And... When he got there, he's like, holy shit, I'm coming too. <laughs> so he went back and finished one more semester, and then he came up. And so the three of us got our first two-bedroom in the East Village on 12th Street, uh, 1994, three or four. So as someone who'd grown up not in New York, mm -hmm. had you traveled East, like, growing up? Had you taken trips here? I'd been here once as a little kid for, like, a few days to visit my aunt, um, and... I remember liking it, but I wasn't like, oh, my God, I got to live Someday. there. You know, no, I yeah. was, that was never, um, I mean, I like slow. You know, Did you grow up in a small me. town? It's It was, you know, the suburbs of Atlanta. So uh -huh. we had Atlanta, and we would have a right. lot of fun weekends. We'd always go there in high school, um, me and, and my buddies. Um, but, you know, the town was, you know, my high school had a couple thousand kids. It was a big high school. But it was still, you know, you had a corner store and a hardware store, and now it's all CVS and everything. But when we grew up, like, behind the house was a dirt bike trail that we built and a track and, you know. Did everyone know the Kelly kids in your town yeah. since there were four of you? Not that that's yeah. Yeah, I that mean, unusual for someone named Kelly. Yeah, we That's were a pretty, small family for the <laughs> Kellys. Yeah. We were pretty crazy. Uh, boys, and I don't girls, mean like that. Mix. There's two boys, two girls. Mm -hmm. My young, The youngest is my brother. He's... Uh, about nine years between the two of us and two girls in the middle. Um, and my brother and I, to this day, are best friends. We're really close with our sisters and mom and dad. And it's, it's just, nice. it's a great, we have a really nice, yeah. nice little family. So you come to New York with Jimmy mm -hmm. and, and Mark. Jim and Mark, yep. Uh, That's good. And, and you're in the East Village near Tompkins Square Park and yeah. Cafe Yaffa and all yeah, those places. That's, that's, um, we could I'm afford sure that's Yaffa. That totally was, delicious. That was, I, Yaffa Cafe let's go there right like now. Splurge, right? Of course. <laughs> Outdoor seating on the, in the summer months. Um, I think it's still there. It's if not, not. There's some facsimile of it. It's, it's gone. Such a bummer, yeah. I can picture it, though. Yeah. With um, the big painting of the woman outside. Yeah. 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 Now, Why does Hectad everything have to a, change? Well, it's really cool that that was actually replaced with Hectad. I don't know if you know his graffiti with the, with yeah. the hearts and the love. He did a piece... Uh, on over the big woman that was there in black and white forever, and he did a big, colorful heart. Um, beautiful. 
So. All right. We'll we'll post that on Instagram for <laughs> people who are not in New York City at this very moment in time. So you're here. And other than like being a kid, visiting some relatives, it sounds like the three of you were on your own. Yeah. In kind of young, scrappy, hungry mode. Overwhelmed. Like, so, it's like, oh my God. Yeah. You know. What, we, what were like, how did you start? So you had no one. You had this wonderful teacher at college, in yeah. college, who'd been like, go go forth go for and it. prosper. Yeah. Uh, Mary's uncle's friend's cousin, the producer. <laughs> right. Who was that producer? Do you I, know? I don't know. And, and it's funny because, you know, you can visualize, you can see the guy, cigar, yeah. feet up on the desk. So he hasn't surfaced no, now that much, fame has come your you way. You can tell he was, I mean, I could tell by his he was voice. Old he was probably in his 60s, 70s oh, at the time. Not that old. <laughs> so I, I just turned 50. I'm, trying, I'm, not, I'm suddenly I'm not, like, uh, oh, let's call him up. But that was, yeah. you know, 30 years ago, 20-something years ago now, so the odds of him still being in the business are right. small. <laughs> well, if you're listening, it was Michael, this Michael <laughs> Kelly, and thank you, because he came to New York. What were some of those early jobs, and are you buying Backstage Magazine? Like, mm-hmm. how are you even finding yeah, the really, community? I really dove into it. Someone had told me about Backstage. Mm-hmm. My, my theater professor um, had told me about Backstage, and... You know, I had my stack of headshots, and I mean, every week I would go and I would get it, and I would handwrite letters and put my picture in there saying, look, just please give me a shot. This is, I know this is what I'm going to do, and send it to agents, send it to, to, to anyone who would, you know, anyone whose address yeah. I had, and, and I had them all in that little book. I the Ross the Report. The Ross Report. Um, and I just, and I just went for it. And it, but really, I think it was in that first year that uh, my aunt, who was who I stayed with in Montclair for the for a few days before I got with Mark, for a few weeks before I got with Mark in Hoboken, and she worked in the advertising world, and she she's an attorney now. She was in it for a, a chunk of her life, but she said, you have to go to the actor's studio. And I was like, okay, I will. And I was just so intimidated because I knew what the actor studio was. Right. And I was just like, I can't just walk into that. Didn't Marilyn studio. Monroe study there? <laughs> Wasn't was Eli like, Wallach there? Right. right. And she was like, you can just walk in there and you can offer to volunteer. And I was like, okay, I will. You know, and I'm lower. I love that she knew that, though. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'd say a month or two went by and she called me one day and she's like, have you gone to the actor studio yet? And I said, no, I- I'm going to. And she's like, okay. I'll wait. And I was like, what? And she was like, I'm going to wait on the phone until you have your shoes and your jacket on and you're walking out the door. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it right now. And I did. And I went up there and I was like, hey, I'm just so scared to walk into that building. And I was just like, I'm here and I'm willing to do anything to be a part of this. And they were like, well, come on in. And, uh, And I became an observer which, for those of you who don't know, an observer is, and this is not the new school, this is the actual real house, the actor studio. And uh, as an observer, you would, I don't know that they still do it, but I'm sure they would think they do. You work a four-hour shift once a week, and you scrub toilets, mop floors, clean the yard, do whatever to upkeep the building, and in exchange for that, you get to watch people like Ellen Barson and Arthur Penn moderate session with current members. You can never comment, but you can watch it and watch them critique the work and learn. Who were some of the actors at the time, if you recall? I don't. There wasn't a lot of, like, you know... People who went on to become household names in that that group. 
in in the years that I was there, there are people who plenty have gone on to work, and and quite honestly, I, I forget a lot of their names. But I was there for years. I I was an observer. And then I ended up becoming a captain, which was the person in charge of that day. So you had to be there for eight hours. And then I ended up running the whole, eventually, years later, ran the whole observer program and hired all the new actors that would come in. And um, and then it was then that Arthur Penn took me under his wing and said, hey, I'm doing this play. And there's like 11 men in it. Would you come be the under, will you stage manage? Will you understudy the men's roles? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, you have to stage manage too. And I was like, no problem. Okay, I get to watch you direct. Yeah. I'm in. And so I did it. And um, one of the men, there was a, it, the, the role was a sheriff's crony, and Ben Hogan was his name. Uh, and he was at the time 60s, 70. A young was, man. Yeah, young man. <laughs> and Ben was the sheriff's crony, and he had two scenes, but they were really good scenes. And, um, Ben got a television job, and I had memorized every male role that I was understudying. Mm -hmm. We were well into rehearsals, and I took my job very seriously. And uh, and I said to Arthur, I said, hey, I heard Ben's leaving. Can I audition for the role? You know, it doesn't say the age didn't matter. Right. And he was like, ah, oh, I got some old-timers from the studio coming later today. He said, he said, well, maybe we could talk if they don't, you know, if it doesn't work out or whatever. And I was like, all right. Not getting that and then that day of rehearsal though someone had to read the role and I did it and Jay Preston Allen is who wrote the piece and she was there as well at rehearsal that day all the actors who I just looked up to I had to get up in front of all of them in rehearsal and I did it and I and I really went for it and did them all southern and and afterwards Arthur came up and he said so the guys are coming but if they don't work out everyone loved what you did and we let's just see and I was like okay Long story short, it didn't work out with the people who auditioned, and I got the role. And uh, and he said, but you still have to stage manage. <laughs> okay, okay. And, uh, and so I, I did it. And uh, at the end, I'll never forget, I walked up to him, and I was like, you know, this meant the world to me. But that, that night that we finished the show, I said, this learning from you was everything. And I just want to say how much I appreciate it, and thank you so much. And he said, well, I got a little secret for you. And I was like, what's that? And he's like, you're a member of the studio. And I was like, what? And I had auditioned, you know, you can only yeah. audition once a year. Yeah. And I had auditioned the two or three years prior and not gotten in. And, and he said, the paperwork's not done, but you're now officially a member. And that helped me get my first independent film um, or second independent. I did River Red first and then what the hell was I doing? It was like, um, it was this kind of like a big chill sort of movie oh my gosh I can't think of it. I'll, I'll think of it but it had Amanda Peet and Alon Gold and Sybil Tension and Jean Louisa Kelly and Jonathan Lapalia and myself there's only six people in the movie but I was the only for sure the only person unknown at the time yeah <laughs> and, yeah and uh and uh so but they said they were like man when you it was a commercial casting director I had been working commercially at the time you know, one commercial a year enough to but pay that, some bills. But that happened for you. You somehow said, broke we, into we, commercials. Yeah, I broke into commercials via... Um, Not your know, aunt. I'll tell you. No, no. <laughs> I was waiting tables. Yeah. And one of, the, um, one of the other fellas working with me was an actor, had a commercial, had a legit agent. And he said, um, 
I, I think he saw me in a play. He was like, I, I think you should meet my commercial agent. Mm-hmm. And I was like, great. And I was with her for 15, 20 years. But yeah. That's when I started to make money. But the film came because a commercial casting director who had cast me in commercials was casting this film. Right. And she said, I want you to read for this. And I was like, great. And then the guys told me afterwards, they were like, we saw you remember the actor's studio. And you know, at the time I was only 25, I think. Yeah. So that, you know, at that time, that was a very young member. Right. Of the stu- one of the youngest members ever at the studio. And do you feel like at that time and working with Arthur Penn and, and these greats and the, the legacy of that place is still, you know, staggering. Mm-hmm. And the building is still there. I yeah. mean, you walk by it and you kind of salute it, right? Yeah, There's totally. so much history and the group theater and sort of a world of New York at yeah. a certain time and a, and a commitment to the work and community and, and this idea of, like, you clean toilets and you get to be in the play. Like, this yeah. real um, status-free kind of idea are there things that you learned at that time? I mean, obviously, there's stuff you learn in an acting program in college, mm-hmm. and then there's kind of working with people who've been out in the real world doing it. When you look at kind of the way you work now, all these years later, yeah. were there kernels of like your own process and how to work 100%. that started there? 100%. So what are some of the things that like, you took with you to this day that I get the script and I yeah what uh, well uh, Arthur Penn I mean he I remember one day a guy was on stage and he was doing you know it's a lot of method at the studio and um, sense memory and all that kind of stuff right so I learned a lot about all of that and while I don't think it's the only method um, because I don't want to live like that mm-hmm. I don't be that way all yeah, the time yeah it's painful um I did learn from Arthur. He, a young man, got up and was doing a scene, and uh, Arthur stopped him in the middle. He's like, "What are you? What are you doing?" And he was like, "Well, I'm trying to smell my grandmother's basement so that I can have this feeling yeah, come over sensory. me." And Arthur was like, "John, or whatever his name was, he was like, John, you can act." He's like, "These are tools that we use when we need them. When right. you truly need." something else that you can't get there you can then use these tools i'm so sick of seeing everyone get up here and always do that he's like yeah the exercises around sometimes you just act yeah you can do all that work beforehand get that in your head and it really stuck with me and something else he said to me that that I'll, i'll never forget is always bring as much of yourself to the character that is believable and never more rewarding than with Doug Stamper, if you mm-hmm. think about it, because he is a person, a very complicated character who is despicable in some people's eyes and does these heinous deeds. But buried in him, I believe that you have my heart and my soul that are going to come through that kind of makes you go, I kind of like that guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, there's mm-hmm. a reason. It's because underneath, you know, you bring some of you to that character. Well, they also um, did not to skip ahead. 100 years and 10 <laughs> seconds, but but there was something they did early on, you know, I, I think when we meet someone who has a complicated past or a vulnerability or a pain that they're carrying around mm-hmm. with them, that we get, you know, they did that with a lot of characters on that show. Yeah. Um, oh, he's wonderful, and I'm spacing out on his name, and he, he was a drug addict. 
Corey um, Stone. Thank you, yeah. Corey, who's, yeah. who fantastic. I think is such a fantastic actor, and I'm sorry I forgot his name, and has done all sorts of things on stage and yeah. on film. He's incredible. You know, it's like figuring out ways to give people these impediments mm-hmm. um, psychologically, physically, and and so to understand their behavior, also knowing their backstory. Yeah. Um, and I think that your show uh, finds ways to kind of humanize and dehumanize, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, Bo, all of the Bo characters. Roman, I mean, he, yeah. you know, just an incredible writer. And, and then Frank Pugliese and yes, people who came out, you know, uh, he's an old friend of mine from Naked love, Angels, which I is can't say my... enough good thing I know, about those guys. And, I know. And Melissa. So James talented. Gibson, just... Well, they're both Bo. playwrights. Yeah. Um, that was Bo's thing. He wanted to hire playwrights, and he did. And, and then Bo became a playwright. Because, right? you know, I had well, Ruth Thurman on the show. He so he started as a playwright and yeah, then created did, House of Cards? Um, Eyes of March was his. That Then they turned into a film. Um, uh, Farragut North was the, film, was the play right? that they turned into. Uh, Clooney and what's his producing partner's name oh, came to... Uh, Grant? Yes. Yeah. Has a, came to the play and said, we're going to make this in a movie. Right. So and that so, was his. Yeah, he was a playwright first. And so that when he got the show, he was like, I want to, you know, Sarah Treem, who went on to do the, um, what's that beach show? The Affair. Yeah. She left our show and went and created The Affair. I mean, you just had a and pool both of that talented show writers. And your show, if you think about shows that just take, kind of came up with their own uh, structures, mm-hmm. ways to kind of, you Tell know, story, yeah. you know, characters breaking the fourth wall on mm-hmm. your show, in Sarah's show, all the different people's point of view, like that's compelling. Yeah. And that's really, that's life. Yeah. Right. Like so, we're all, exactly. we're both going to tell the story of this episode completely right. differently from yeah. different sides of the table. Um, I mean, we're both going to say how much we loved it, obviously, <laughs> but just, you know, what it's like to kind of see a room from a different side. And I think that, you know, we are so fortunate to be coming up at a time where there is no longer these kind of lines drawn where everyone has to stay in their lane. You're a screenwriter, right. you're a playwright, yeah. and whoever kind of understood. I mean, Hollywood understood a million years ago to bring out these great, like, musical writers right. or, or Dorothy Parkers or all right. these people yeah. who came out who were brilliant writers, and and they saw how they could make things deeper, mm-hmm. even for cinema. Um, you have this uh, reputation when I told people you were coming on, uh, you're beloved in oh, your community um, and described as a very hard worker. And those kinds of qualities uh, would make for a very successful person <laughs> if they also have talent, right? <laughs> You yeah, can be a hard thanks. worker and charming, but it and but you also have to be really good yeah. at what you do. And you got to be really lucky. Yeah, I mean, you have to be really lucky in this business, you know. So uh, when do you feel like you got lucky? Like it sounds like you paid your dues and did clean toilets and probably had all sorts of money jobs <laughs> along the way. Yeah, um, I guess. I mean, you know, you, you look back at the career and you hear all these things that that you read a lot. I mean. Vivica Linford's taking me to Sweden with through the act. It was via the actor studio that I went there to do that play with her. Um, I just saw her in this movie, Girlfriends, one of like these the first independent. Wow! Uh, and she was in it, 
it was done in the 70s. Wow. And she's so beautiful. She's That's so such beautiful. a crazy aside, but she I was, just saw her this in this film. This was the years just prior to her death that yeah. we were together. She, we went to Sweden to do this. Did she, she direct it she, or start in she it? She played August Strindberg. Okay. And so we did it all over Sweden, and she stayed and passed away there. She went home and stayed mm-hmm. and, and, and ended up passing away there. Uh, but, but, you know, you look and you think, you, well, the Actors Studio was obviously one, and then Vivica was one. And Are then, there friends that you made at the Actors Studio? Like, that I'm like, still friends with? Yeah, like, oh, yeah. Naked Angels was my, became uh-huh. my, well, circle rep lab company when yeah. I was, like, a fetus, and then Naked Angels <laughs> when I was actually allowed to do my own stuff, and that's why I know Frank and uh-huh. Kenny Lonergan and all these wonderful people have gone know, on to, yeah, yeah for just, 25 years. Um, but... But from the actor's studio, and, and when you look at your early community, who are the people, contemporary artists that became that your... Doing, I mean, Justin Reinsober is one who, uh, he, he ended up going over to the lab, mm-hmm. uh, got really involved there, and um, made his first, to direct his first feature film this year, Central, last year, Central Park. Um, but, I mean, big names that I came up with. Not even there, big not. names, but are there, like... People that I even keep in touch with, not really. So it's job to job, like collecting people yeah. along the way. Yeah, I mean, Justin's one that I still keep in touch with. Um, but uh, what was Colleen first? Clinton, who's at the Pond Theater Company now, right. um, she's another one who I, you know, social media keeps yeah. in touch with. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank death. God for Facebook, <laughs> right? I guess. So your first... TV reg- series regular part was um, level nine. Right, it was a Paramount Universal thing. It was on the UPN network back when that was a network. Yeah, and um, yeah, that was my first uh, lead on a show. You got it. Full season, and I'll never ever forget flying to Los Angeles to test for it, and I'll never forget. I was with the cast of that film that I can't think of the name of, mm-hmm. with all those great people. We were all out to dinner, a little reunion dinner in Los Angeles before I was getting on a plane. To come and back I, home. And I got the call uh, that I had booked the pilot. Oh, my God. <laughs> it because lost my mind. Of course you did, because yeah. it goes from impossible. To, oh, my God, I'm going to go do this. We've talked, I've talked to a million actors, and we're all like, we have no idea with all the things we tested for. They're like, but did you know that that was the one? I was like, No. Yeah. It didn't feel better or worse than any other right. test. It felt just as nauseating. <laughs> they all feel as, awful. <laughs> it's like you sign, you're like, you're going to make $1 million or $0. Exactly. And each time I'd be like, please don't make me sign this. Like, I'll pay you. Like, just right. the act of signing this contract before I have to go in for the the I, network. I, it's so funny because I remember signing that contract and looking around and seeing all the other actors sure. testing for the same exact yeah. role, signing the same exact contract. And I remember looking on there, I was like, six years? Oh, my God, that's a really long time. Yeah. You know, and just thinking to myself, oh, my God, that's life-changing if I could go six years yeah. on the show. And most don't. No. So that's the I good never, news. Yeah. I, I never went longer than one season on a show until House of Until Friday. now. I, Sopranos, I guess, technically you could say I was on that for two, but not as a series regular. Right. So, But that was uh, a cool show, yeah, to live in New York and be on be The Sopranos. That, to be a part of that. Unbelievable. You know, you had asked me earlier about a, the funny audition, and, and I just, when I said Sopranos, I thought of it. And What I, happened? It was, <laughs> it was. By the um, way, spoiler alert, he got it. So <laughs> the story's going to be bad, but the outcome is good. It bad to me because it was, I was so frustrated at this point in my career. I was just, kept going in and getting, it's between you and somebody else, mm-hmm. between you and somebody else. And somebody else always got it. Right. 
and it had it had been I think it was during pilot season because I was auditioning a lot and preparing a lot of material and I had for whatever reason I had this kind of a beard and I get night before get called to go in to see um Georgian walking mm-hmm to see Georgian and I which never, you're like that's Christopher never, Walken's wife never, <laughs> even just for that you're like that's already awesome I'd never been in for before and or Sheila Jaffe I guess they were partners yeah, yeah. yeah and I stayed up all night working on it being prepared but then when I got up in the morning to go I was just preparing lost track of time and I didn't shave and I went in with this kind of beard for an FBI guy mm-hmm. and I had on a thermal shirt with a t-shirt over it I just couldn't for whatever reason, bring myself to put the costume to on. Put it on. You're no I was like, suit, I can do no this, man. And, you know, I was like, it's gonna go to the other guy anyways. Was my mentality when I was walking out the door. Huh. And no matter, I still prepared really hard though. Right. And and I went in and I, she just looked at me like, are you kidding me? And didn't say anything. She was like, just sit down, let's read. And I read it, and she was like, okay, that was that was really good let's do it again like this. And I was like, okay. And she was like, okay, that was really good. I'm going to bring you back for David Chase. If you promise to shave. And I was like, I promise. I would have. I just just thought the other guy had shaved. I couldn't do it. Yeah. And she's like, all right, I'm going to bring you back. And then I remember walking into that callback. um, Where everyone's in suits. Which at the time, they had said, you know, it's only one scene. It's a few lines. But my manager, It might turn into more. Who I've been with my whole life said, look, it's The Sopranos. You're going to want to tell your kids one day that you were part of this thing. This is a special show. And I was right. like, yeah. Um, and so I went back and I put on a suit and I wore a tie and I looked sharp as hell and I shaved and I went in there and I did my best and, and I got it. And uh, and it was a and, lot more and, than a few lines in one episode. <laughs> it ended up being, I think, seven episodes. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Um, whoops. Uh, uh, so just, you know, seven. you never know. You never know. And... Uh, Hang on, Michael. I just want to make sure that you're going to be on mic. Yeah. No, you didn't unplug it, but okay. just make sure that you're you're close to it. Um, you can keep talking. It's all good. <laughs> so when you found out that you're going to be um, on The Sopranos, mm-hmm. I mean, you were you came onto that show a few seasons. At the end, the last in, two, right? Yeah. So, like, uh, you know what it is. It's show, not like I think this might work. <laughs> um, everyone talks about kind of what a unique experience that was. The David Chase. I mean, you've you've yeah. had some extraordinary showrunners sure. in your life. Um, what was the vibe on the set? And did you feel? You know, it's hard being a guest. You're like, you so get to hard. do stuff, but so you're kind hard. of shy in the trailer in the morning. Like, mm-hmm. what was? What was, was that shy. set like? I was very intimidated to walk onto that set. Uh, I held James Gandolfini in an incredibly high regard, mm-hmm. and um, but they were a family. You know, you could tell this was a tight knit family, uh, and so when I when I went in, it was uh, I'm just terrible with names today. The other FBI agent, Matt uh, Matt Servito. Yeah. Who I just love and adore. He's such a great guy. Uh, incredible. Yes, and you guys were um, great together. Yeah, and so Matt made me feel very comfortable and and was super cool. Um, but I remember one scene that we had to do in the diner, and it was 
Michael Imperioli and James Gandolfini, myself and Matt, the four of us around one of those bread checkered tables in the mm -hmm. deli. And they have this whole conversation and I'm just supposed to be like this strong, silent guy. And I have one line in this two or three page scene and Christopher, Michael turns to me and he's like, what, hey, what are, you, what, are you, what are you even doing here? He's like, you guys do this and this, talking as a character. And my line was, actually, we spend a little more of our time trying to interdict the financial networks that fund the terror cells worldwide. That was my line. Which you know. I couldn't, because I'll never forget oh it, because that day I could not remember it. And I was like... I screwed it up once, and I was like, but I know it. You know what I mean? Like, I sure. worked. I did my work. Yeah, clearly you know it, because it, it's 2019, like, and you just did it. They talked for two and a half minutes, right? and then it was my line, and I said it, and I just slipped up. And so they were like, just just go back. He asked it again. Do a pickup. And I was like, and I'm just looking at Gandolfini and Michael looking at me, and I was like, and I just kept, kept screwing up, kept screwing up. And I remember... Um, no, you don't. The director saying to me, I forget who who directed that one. Either Alex Sakharov or might have been Alex. He said, he goes, this is The Sopranos. We have all the money in the world. We can shoot this scene all day long. Don't worry about it. And I was like, I got it. Okay, cool. So he did it again. And I screwed <laughs> And the supervisor comes over and she's like, we are above the table. I'm just putting it down in front of you. And I was like, thank you. I said, I don't. I said, I appreciate it. And yeah. I, just, I knew, just leave it there. And I never looked at it. Of and I course, said it perfectly fine. <laughs> that is and that was my first day on The Sopranos. I and can't I was believe just it. Like, I'm fired. So much for more than one episode. Yeah. And, 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 uh, Those moments where you you're dying, no one else cares. Yeah. I mean, unless someone has like, you know, unless Gandolfini was like, I really wanted to get to my kid's ballet exactly. recital tonight. Exactly. Where That's really the happens. only time sure. where mm -hmm. like we actually kind yeah. of have some place to be. Well, when you think about being number 57 mm -hmm. on the call sheet yeah. and then having an experience, what number were you on the House of Cards call sheet? I was the first few. Did it change? It did, Obviously, it changed. It changed. So, what were you? I, was, I think I was five or six to start, and then I was three, and then I was two. Right. So that's kind Insane. of a rare thing, right? That <laughs> yeah. that what the what the role is changes in terms of the number, which means nothing in everything in yeah. terms of what's expected of you, right? And your and your leadership position in a show. Right. And we talk a lot about my friends and I and on the show kind of in theater and in film on film sort of what it means to be number 1 on the call sheet and who does it well and who mm -hmm. doesn't do it well and and how much for most people they start at 53 right. on a call sheet and work their way up so that when they get to the place of being in the top 5 even yeah. there's a sense of how to make people feel welcome. Right. And some people care about that, and some people don't. And some people care about it, but don't know how to act that right. out. They're just so <laughs> or just insane. Don't give a shit. Or they don't care. <laughs> and everyone's had all different experiences. And I think what we're finding is it's there's really no reason for there not to be kindness and patience right. and generosity. Um, but it doesn't always happen. No. And my guess would be that once you had the opportunity to be somebody who could set a tone right. 
um, that you might have remembered the David Chases of the world and yeah. people who were so kind to you. I would hope that's I, I, true. I, I always do. And I, you yeah. know, when, and especially in that last season, of, or even going back when I was. There were so many guests five, on that show. On that show. And I remember uh, Jeremy Holm, great New York actor. He played the FBI guy mm-hmm. on House of Cards. And he was you. made it so many, so many seasons. Yeah. Um, but one of his first days, he was, we were a walk and talk down a hallway and he comes on two House of Cards. It's intimidating as shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, it's a very quiet set. Mm-hmm. It's a very, you know, we, we do have fun, but it is a very, you come to work ready and you, you work and you make it as good as you can possibly make it. Anyways, a walk and talk. And he kept screwing up. And I was like, come here. And I pulled him over in the corner. I was like, all right, take a couple deep breaths with me. I was like, you got that. You killed it in rehearsal. Yeah. You're a great actor. Yeah. Take a deep breath. Don't let the word action. Think about what you're, just think about what you're saying and then just say those words to me. That's all you got to do. He's like, all right, thanks, man. Cool. And we do it and he nails it. And, you know, he comes back for seasons after seasons. Yeah. I don't understand a show where you don't have that in the upper people on your cast where it doesn't even make sense to me when you think about how hard it is to get there, mm-hmm. how hard you had to work, how you had to be, for most of us, every other person on that call sheet. Right. How you don't love and respect that crew, how you don't love and respect everyone who comes on. The, like, you just, you have to. And it makes the whole show better for everybody. Totally. I've guessed it on one where number one was a complete and total asshole. Right. Who was that? And, <laughs> and you can't. <laughs> And you can't, but people are like, going to be scrolling. Let's look at every, wait, um, was it Kojak? But I couldn't yeah. believe it. I just couldn't believe it. No, what, Thing Rains was incredible. Right. Um, believe it, but though. But it's just, it's because, because to, people's insecurity, right. I mean, I think and at the end of the day, sure. people's insecurity sadly manifests itself in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. And often it is, I'm going to make you feel terrible so that I can feel better. Yeah. Um, or... Or I'm just so busy worrying about myself that I'm not even noticing. Don't even know that you're there. Don't even know you're there. And that's how many times have you sat there like with tons to do. Mm -hmm. And the person across from you like has not even. And you're coming in for four days meant to like cry and emote and have like a whole breakdown yeah, and the person's me. like and you're just like you want to look you. at me yeah you want to look at me like at any time mm-hmm. if you want to actually can your stand-in come back because yeah. they were amazing yeah they were I really mean, you know but uh, you know it's all part of it right it's all part of you know I, and I think quite honestly when you do quote unquote make it you know that it it's all the more rewarding having you know had great and poor experiences mm-hmm. because and you also learn along the way how to act, how yeah. to behave. You you see the people who you admire and you want to emulate. You know? Well, it's hard to, you know, you had a really crazy thing happen where at the height of the Me Too moment in our culture, which yeah. ultimately is a really great thing sure. uh, for every business, not just theater and, and film and television, for people to be accountable mm-hmm. um, and for people who may have come up in another generation to understand what is no longer acceptable. Even if the intention wasn't to create fear for someone else or humiliate someone else, even in just language, you know, I worked with Robert Altman. He was my, you know, first director and I love him and I learned so much from him and everything that 
happened in my career stems from being a part of it was called Tanner 88 it was a political oh, okay. series and and everyone was honey and yeah, yeah. we were dames and brought you know right, it yeah. was like just stupid stuff that right. was like you can't say that you're not like <laughs> what are you doing and and he'd be like I guess I can I'm a cowboy you know I'm like yeah. no you can't but yeah. but I loved him deeply yeah. and he's a genius and I miss him every day um, and he was someone who you could just say, like, Bob, that is disgusting. Yeah. And be like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it okay. is. Okay. Yeah, it was. But it, it's funny, right? And you're like, I guess it is funny. So, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I didn't have a talk with your press person before you came on about mm-hmm. what you will and won't talk about. And and this isn't live. So, you can or can't yeah. talk about anything you want. And you can be as personal about it or as I, vague I mean, about it. But you, you're in the, you were in the middle you were right there. Yeah. Um, I think you were on hiatus when the story broke, or were you no, guys shooting we when were, the story we were, broke? We were on. The, we we crossed boards. We were on. We were on episodes one and two. So are time. you like at work with Kevin and suddenly I like wasn't. I was actually I would finished completed my work for one and two and we film in Baltimore so I keep an apartment in Baltimore and I would just back and forth because okay I'm a young kid so I was home when the story broke when the story broke and heard that we were going on hiatus. Immediately. But most likely, it's done. Uh-huh. It, this is all over. And um, obviously, there's a million emotions that go through your head at that moment. But very quickly, for me, what it became about was that crew who had waited a very long hiatus to begin with. Yeah. Before we began Meaning that they, season. They would, not, they would have lost out on other job opportunities expecting to come well, back here, to here's shoot yours. We, we finished season five. And it was a long time before we were coming back to six, but everyone knew we were coming back for and six. And is that normal, episodes. or that just, it was just was a like weird they, thing yeah, that it happened? Was just, and holidays, and it just pushed okay. in extra months. Okay. So you know, to people who count on this as their livelihood, there's which you, is everybody. Keep, keep in mind that that Baltimore also is not like Los Angeles. And right. It's not like New York. There's not as much work there. Right. So these people counted on that money. Yeah. Just prior to the holidays, and that on top of the fact. That when we when we did go back, um, like I said, it was a long time. But then to have it happen all of a sudden, they're just like, "Oh, we're not gonna. We might be completely done." I was like, "That's not acceptable." And my first call was to Robin, and I was like, "What are we gonna do? We can't not do this show. We can't. We've got to finish. Not just for." Netflix and its first original programming show and the right. fans and, and the legacy of that. Right. Yeah. But I don't care what happens. I want to, we have to finish this show. I don't care who we do it with. I don't care any of that. We're mm-hmm. finishing the show. Um, and she was like, I'm totally with you. And it, it, it became so quickly about that, that because once they made the decision that he was gone, it was right. like, Oh shit. So now we're going to do it. So without him, it's like, that's really weird too. That was my scene partner. For yeah. Her, Five years, you know. Did you have a good experience? I did. So, yeah, you know, it was... And the writers, you know, Frank and Melissa, who had storyboarded all 13, had their ending, wrote nine, I think, at the time, had nine completed episodes, and they had a two-month hiatus in which they had to rewrite an entire show without their lead actor. So, really, it became about, like, you know, I called them, and how are we going to do this? And, you Mm -hmm. know, I would went and had lunch with them and, you know, okay, well, if this happens and this happens, but that was the whole time so that I didn't even, until it was over, have time to, to process fully it. process 
everything. And, and so Kevin then, Spacey doesn't show up on the set and say goodbye to everybody. No, like he's gone. Yeah. And right. you never hear from him again. No. I mean, and, I'm, and I don't I need to put words no, in no, your no, mouth. No, 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 but I have Did you ever? No. Isn't that weird? It is because, I mean, I, I'm sure there's all sorts of reasons for that. Um, but yeah, of course it's weird. You know, you, you like I said, you spend um, that much time with someone. And other than Rachel Brosnahan, you know, that's who I spent yeah. almost all of my time she, on set with. It ended up really good. She was fine. Have you I, heard I, of I, Mrs. Maisel? Uh, yeah, we, she's amazing. And we still keep in touch. And I, I, I adore her. She is a lovely, lovely young woman. And yeah. she, um, that was, there's an example of a girl who came onto that show and had a few days work, one episode few lines her character name was prostitute yeah like and she just hit it out of the park and i remember Bo saying that he watched her with Corey and was just like oh my god this is fascinating and then her and i had stuff together and he was like oh my god and so they started right a little more and that's her. the beauty of a non-network show right because i feel like most shows even if you are amazing and there's something special happening they've already mapped out the episodes. And most so there's just one episode, right? Yeah, like, so <laughs> how do you, network, right? yeah, like, you can't mm-hmm. suddenly, like, there's no room to add in more yeah. for these people. Yeah. That's what's incredible about these platforms, that yeah. you can sort of go, wait a minute, I know we have a general idea of the yeah. story. I feel like what's really interesting is in the world of, like, the, the gamble, there's a gamble, right? Like, we're going to keep going, and, and there's this great kind of the narrative, the dramatic narrative of then like the woman, the Robin Wright being the star, like, like there's all this interesting stuff Mm -hmm. that just happens around it, which is kind of what things should have been anyway in the world. But, but also like, are people going to still watch because they're too triggered? I mean, there's, there's, there's the flip side of it too. And they did, obviously people were very, but I would understand people going, Maybe we can, you know, figure out a way to pay the people who would have lost a season of work in in some beautiful world, whether it be Kevin Spacey or Netflix or all the rich people who Mm -hmm. got rich from producing this show. Not the actors. (laughs) Um, They'd go, you know what? We're going to make it right Mm because you guys, it's not your fault that this shit show happened. So that's that's a probable conversation that probably happened. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Let's be benevolent in this way. Um, Do we go ahead and do it and trust that people will be able to get over the fact that the missing piece, that's like a monstrous thing that happened. You know, these were just allegations at the time, but right. right? Um, So what's kind of extraordinary is the gamble that you all took for all sorts of reasons to make it right for people to finish a story. Mm -hmm. Um, it's an incredible season. Yeah. And you specifically uh, are so magnificent in this part. You always were compelling and mysterious and exactly what you said earlier, like doing bad things with the soul of like a mensch in some weird way, (laughs) because loyalty is something that we all want in our life. A good friend who will do anything for us. It's all amped up. In the world of television, but yeah. at the root of it is like, look at what 
chosen family is. Look at what loyalty yeah. is. Look at what it is to have someone what who really keeps your secret. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's a TV show. Like right. <laughs> I don't need my friends to kill for me, but I need them to want to kill for you know, like exactly. a good shoulder to cry on yeah. is great. And I feel like, you know, even in being with you now, you're like a very internal person, and I can see why. And, but funny and charming and warm. It's oh, like, it's sweet. a it's very Thank complex you. what you do <laughs> as a human. I also, by the way, looked at a picture. This is really weird. But just to, like, learn about you, your wife and Robin Wright could be sisters. It's that so is crazy. It's crazy. Insane. <laughs> I don't even understand what's happening. Do you know that we, I went to the, my wife and I went to the Superman premiere. I was I had a small role in the Superman film and uh, Man of Steel. And we went to the premiere, and my mom was like, oh, my God, did you see whatever the publicate deadline yeah. or whatever it said? Uh, act, actress Robin Wright and actor Michael Kelly attend Man of Steel premiere. And it was me and my mom. Right. <laughs> like so how fun. interesting. Yeah, crazy. Is she an actress also? No, no. She's a personal trainer. Uh, she was a bartender when we met. She became a personal trainer, and now she's studying um, to become superior yoga yogi instructor and take over the world domination a, of she's yoga a, she's a badass I wow. wish I was half as cool and as and as strong as my wife your lives probably changed uh you have kids mm -hmm. you you were on a show that that was successful but any chance of it being under the radar in any way changed when it became newsworthy for so many reasons right. then the politics of our country right. kind of changing so much so all these things are that happening kind of hurt us if you think about it like when you think back to when the show started president obama was in office yeah. and we were the crazy show yeah like it was this crazy oh my god could you, you imagine if that, that really happened yeah and, that, and then it was just sort of like eh, right that's so crazy yeah <laughs> and like a woman beth marvel and and Molly yeah. parker and all these women sort of creating opportunities for women mm -hmm. to run against him and so so how do you i know you said you weren't shy but this is not like I. You were not making your Oscar acceptance speech in the bathroom when you were a kid. This was like this yeah. is not a you know no. now three Emmy nominations later four, four Emmy right. This, this is, is the this fourth. Is the fourth. Yeah. yeah, crazy. Um, and so crazy. Yeah, so crazy. And now these speeches are real. Now the awards are real. Like, how do you negotiate being a private citizen but a very recognizable person now? And when you're walking down the street, I imagine uh, people come up to you all the time, expecting Doug, excited that you're not, wishing you were, like all right. the things. Mm -hmm. And you'll do a million jobs. And you'll, you and Krasinski will do Jack Ryan right. and you'll do 20,000 movies. But like you have had that thing happen. The, the Don Draper, the Roger Sterling, the, right. the part that you will forever that's Thank and wish it never happened. Like, <laughs> I don't want to play Doug Stamper anymore. I will never not yeah. wish it didn't happen. I, I, there was a part of me that was very, um, I don't want to say relieved, but with it ending with such finality for him, yes. it felt really good to be able to, to completely say goodbye. Yeah. You know, you always hear of TV shows coming back and making a movie yeah. later or... You know, there was a lot of talk about doing a spinoff of Stamper. And we were like Rhoda. You're the really Rhoda to Mary Tyler Moore. <laughs> and we went way down the road on a spinoff. And wow. it, it almost happened. It was an incredibly good story. But mm. uh, ultimately, I get I got to say goodbye to that. And it felt 
so good and, and cathartic. And, yeah, really did. And you know, um, and all I can be is thankful for it. Thankful a lot of that gifts. that happened. Yeah. So that when I do get approached by people on the street, and you know, everybody always wants, you know, used to be, can I have an autograph? And now it's just, can I have a selfie? Mm-hmm. And I always say, yeah. I mean, it's it it would take. And the way I look at it, you know, I have friends that don't, and I have actors that I've worked with that don't do it, and um, it takes more time to tell them why you don't take a picture than it yeah. does to take the picture. And you make that person's day, and yeah. it's a, you know... It's all good. It is. Mostly. And I'm so grateful yeah. that someone would want to take a picture of me because of what I do for a living, that I'm, I still just, you know... I'm always, every time I walk around, I'm just like, this is crazy. This is so crazy. I know. <laughs> you know? Well, when we're done, I'm going to take a selfie with you in one minute. <laughs> it's going to be crazy. Michael, you're just uh, a really compelling, wonderful person. Yeah. And thank you for sharing. You're very prepared, and I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, is stalking preparing? I guess it is. I guess it is. Um, well, I hope you'll come back because there's one million more things of to course. be read. And- everyone. New episodes of Little Known Facts drop every Monday and you can find them on your favorite podcast provider. Also, if you go to the website, littleknownfactspodcast.com, you'll find behind the scenes photos, videos, and interviews, and lots more on the gallery page. And if you are loving these intimate, candid conversations with all the artists who come on the show, please head over to the contributions page. I depend on these donations to continue to bring you these interviews every week. So if you love the show, please donate. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for.